I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. It's been a little bit since we recorded our first batch of episodes this season. So any breakfast updates? The one thing that I can think of is I did Chipotle for breakfast. Oh, okay. It was a little bit of a failed attempt. I woke up and I, I needed Chipotle ASAP. And so <laughs> I thought they would just be open for right. me. Um, and they weren't. So I got there at around <laughs> 10 o'clock. And then I looked online and saw that they opened at 1030. So I did the thing where I awkwardly chilled in the parking lot by myself for a half hour. And okay. then I went to the door and then on the door, it said they opened at 1045. I thought you were breaking news here that Chipotle was now serving breakfast. Oh, nope. Just burrito <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> well, now you've extended your disappointment to yes. everybody who was listening to this and thought like me that Keaton was breaking news. I could announce it just to make everybody happy, but they might be disappointed <laughs> later. So how did it taste at 1030? Did you... Well, at 1045, because it, it, it can, the time just kept pushing back and pushing okay. back. I spent, I spent about 45 minutes in the parking lot at Chipotle by myself. That's, but a, weird, that's a pretty good way to feel cool about it yourself. tasted wonderful. It was exactly what I needed. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend who has a big theory that we need more uh, Mexican restaurants to be open for breakfast. Mm -hmm. That His wife is Mexican and makes them really delicious breakfast. And she they can't understand why there aren't more options for that. I am here for it. If Chipotle so, just had eggs and that's yeah. all you need to make a, a, a breakfast burrito, really. That's right. It seems like they could kind of, they could find the good breakfast groove. Uh, there are, who is it? There's somebody, one of the big chains is about to, maybe Wendy's? I hope so. I, know, I should have researched it. There's some big chain that is getting ready to add breakfast to their repertoire. Yeah, so. I think, I think Taco Bell recently did the thing. Yeah. So my only uh, update is that I had a really good cinnamon pecan coffee cake um, in recent weeks. That sounds heavenly. It was great. And the icing was like just right. And you had to do a little bit of work to like get the right amount, the right ratio of cake to icing. Mm. But when you did, when you get it right. It, it really rewarded you for that hard work. Did you get it at a place or was it yes, a thing it that was, you made? It was a coffee shop and, um, you know, some coffee shops have kind of, this was pre Omicron, uh, <laughs> who podcasts are so funny because people listen to them. They don't always listen to them in real time. Right. So somebody could listen to this in 2024 and be like COVID what? Like we don't even, yes. we don't know what that is anymore. Yeah. Hopefully. But here, here we are pre. Yeah, this was PO. This was pre-surge, so it still felt mildly safe to go into this coffee shop. And I got a window seat, and I got to feel like old times uh, sitting in a coffee shop for a, for just long enough to eat the pecan coffee cake. Um, but yeah, it was very good. Um, we are picking up in Luke, and. The weird thing that we've done, and we've talked about this a little bit, is that our first season was about Acts. And our second season is about Luke, which we is like to backpedal. Yeah, it's backwards order. Uh, so it's really we're really the memento of podcasts. Um, so we're looking at these stories about the disciples. And in our first season, we saw like a grown up version 
of the disciples. Uh, can you remember anything about what do we know about the disciples in those early stories of Acts? Do you remember like some of the like think about like Simon Peter in Acts? What do you, what did you think of him? Do you mean just them like walking the walk? And yeah, like what they, what were they like? Like they're they're kind of the heroes, right? Right. Yeah, they're they're spreading the word. They're doing the thing. Yeah, they're confident. Simon Peter always knows exactly what to say. Uh, he's often handed the microphone in the first half of Acts. Uh, we see a lot of the disciples doing really noble things. And but this is if you're following along with our podcast and not with your own Bible reading or your own sort of faith journey, this is this season is a little bit of a prequel because mm -hmm. in this chapter, we're meeting the disciples, some of them for the very first time in their slightly younger selves. And so in the Gospels, Simon Peter is not the confident person who always says the right thing. In the Gospels, we'll see this in some later stories. He often says the wrong thing. Um, and several of the disciples, you know, they're kind of just, they're following after Jesus, but they don't quite get what they're up to. Mm -hmm. So there's a story where they, they come across a town that doesn't agree with Jesus and they want to like rain fire down on it. You know, there's just several times where they, they're always asking which one of them is the best or the greatest which is a funny thing to ask when you're in the middle of asking other dumber questions, right? <laughs> They're so, nice questions to yeah. hear, though, on your own faith journey. Saying, yeah, yeah, it's kind of rain down. Yeah, and then is, hearing what, yeah, it lets you lets you hear what the right answers are. Yeah, so the arc of their story is kind of beautiful because they go from being these just sort of people who just naively follow after Jesus to people who in the book of Acts are doing really incredible things. And so we're really here at their origin story. And I think it's important to give them the benefit of the doubt, too, in that they have not seen their best friend die and come back to life. And in the book of Acts, they've seen that. They've experienced that. And so, of course, they have a greater sensitivity, a greater wisdom. And, of course, they're more compelled, you know, and they have a greater reason to tell this story well. But we're meeting them right at the beginning. And the first thing we see is that several of them are fishermen. And so in Luke 5, we just have this simple story uh, where Jesus gets their attention by helping them catch some fish. Uh, one of the things I've always just loved about this is that one of the things that Jesus asked them to do is to let go. And one of the things I think about, I don't, uh, do you know any fishermen? I don't know any fisher. I know people who like to fish. Yeah. I don't know a lot of fishermen, but one of the things I know just from these stories is that a lot of their purpose in life was to hold on. So like their whole job on, on a day, they'd get up, they'd have breakfast, which I'm imagining fish, right? Sure. And they're getting up, they're having uh, fish tacos for breakfast or whatever. And they go out there, their job all day long is to hold on to the net. So I'm imagining them with like callous hands, right? Because your net is your livelihood. Yeah. White necklin the. Yeah. It's almost like for us, probably it would be like our laptop. Right? <laughs> like it's the thing, like my whole world sort of lives I've inside my laptop. Gotta hang on to this laptop. Right. So they, they're white knuckling it. They've got calloused hands. Their whole job is to hold on. And so I've always kind of loved it that Jesus's first invitation to them is let go. Because it tells us that they're, as soon as he does this thing, he does this miraculous thing where he helps them catch a gazillion a fish. giant haul of fish right <laughs> too many yeah and then he says let go and they they drop their nets and 
I, I think it's always just worth asking ourselves, is there, could you imagine a scenario in which you left everything? Mm-hmm. Like, that's my question. Right. Can, can I? Yeah. Can it, you imagine somebody showing up to town and being like, Keaton, drop it. I know you're accustomed to holding on, but drop it. Mm-hmm. Walk away from, yeah. from what keeps you moving forward. Yeah. Can you imagine? Now nah, I'd be radical. Yeah. Uh, and so at the very least, it's impressive that they see something in the face or the countenance of Jesus that compels them to do the opposite of the thing they have done their whole life. So their whole life has been about holding onto these nets and like, I'm legitimately panicking a little bit at the thought that Jesus might someday show up and say, drop your laptop. Right. I don't, I don't want to be tested in that <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> I'd be like, Jesus, you don't know how many like files I have in there. Mm-hmm. Can I at least take a hard drive with me? You know, like what about my photos, Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe most of us could relate to like that. Drop your phones. Mm-hmm. When you get your, me. you take your phone in to get updated and they have to oh, yeah. transfer the files and you say, that are you going to that deep fear? Yeah. And so maybe that's some way we could kind of enter into just how brave and wild it is that they drop their nets. Um, we do get to zoom in on one person. Uh, Jesus calls 12 people. So it's worth us just noting that that has some significance um, can you think of any other things in the Bible where there's 12 of them? This is a Bible quiz. This 12 is a Bible disciples. Quiz. <laughs> what are the, you know. 12. Do you know about the 12 tribes? Mm-mm. So in Israel, I feel so obnoxious to quiz you on it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't plan on quizzing you on <laughs> I, it. I failed. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a very nerdy thing, but it's a, I think it's a helpful thing to know uh, that... There's a sense in which that what that number 12 is significant because it mirrors that in the early days of Israel, they were divided into 12 tribes. And so the 12 is maybe meant to kind of mirror that or to like be a signal that this is the same God, the same God that served and called and did these big, bold things through Israel is the same God who's showing up and telling you to drop your nets. And we know that there were more than 12. We know that there were several, like Luke tells us, there's several women who were part of the group, but there is a significance to that naming of the 12. I think we talked about that a little bit in Acts when mm-hmm. they had, Ju- they lose Judas. Right. Spoiler alert. Um, but one of the fun things about that is that I think we talked about this too, but Priya Parker, who's this social scientist who studies groups, says that 12 is actually kind of a magic number for groups, that it's, it's intimate enough that you can get to know everybody, but it's big enough that you can accomplish things and you have some diversity. And we know there was diversity of opinion. Uh, we know that there's somebody in the 12 who's a zealot. Mm. Uh, there's some there's some folks who were loyal to the empire and there's some folks who wanted to overthrow the empire. So there's political diversity. Uh, we know that they come from these different professions. So we have Jesus calling the fishermen. But if we zoom in on Levi's story, Levi is actually a tax collector. So he works for essentially the government. Um, have you heard anything about the, I feel like there's a thing that, um, again, I'm quizzing you again. <laughs> I, after, tell, after chastising myself about it. Yeah, one more quiz. What do you know? This last question. Do you know anything about tax collectors in the Bible? Um, tax collectors are the, I, I just know them as the bad guys. Yes, that's an important thing. 
Because they often, in addition to collecting taxes, would take a little extra. Off the top for yeah. themselves, yeah. And so it's interesting to me that that's one of the guys that Jesus picks. Right. Um, but Levi, to me, when I read his story, I don't know if you, how you felt about reading when reading his story. To me, he doesn't read like a tax guy. Mm. He reads to me like a tax guy who hates his job. He's doing the thing, but yeah. doesn't want to be doing like the Like that's thing. his day job. Yeah. But it's not as like passion Mm -hmm. because the first thing he does this is my favorite part about his story the first thing he does when he decides to follow jesus is to throw a party and to invite all his tax collector friends you gotta meet this guy yeah and i just think that's like i just love that about him that whatever he did during the day like maybe he did a bunch of calculating and he pushed his glasses up on his nose a lot while he did all the math and Maybe he quizzed his friends about things and (laughs) made him feel bad about not knowing about 12 tribes. I don't know who he was, but I know that his inclination was to, oh, I'm just going to throw a party. party. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he was maybe that guy, even before Jesus, maybe he was that guy who was always the last to leave the party. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe there was something about just the buzz of people in a room together that was exciting to him. Um. Do you have any sense of what, what do you think Levi, knowing this about him, he's also called Matthew sometimes. Right. Knowing this about him, do you have any sense of what he, this kind of guy might have for breakfast? That energy kind of reminds me of the person who texts you when you're on the way to um, somewhere to hang out. He texts the whole group message and says, hey, I'm running through McDonald's. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's picking up bacon, egg and cheese and yeah. some hash browns. Maybe he's making the guy a scene. if he is getting donuts, he's bringing them for the whole office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he thinks about other people. I had, I was more thinking of him as we don't know that there's drinking at this party, Mm -hmm. but there's probably drinking at this party. Especially if you don't like your day job. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe that's his escape. Right. And so I imagine him as like that, uh, the hair of the hair of the dog for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Like he had a little too much, a little too much. Well, that's the devil's breakfast. Oh, you're right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, maybe just, just a little ale in the morning to, to get through whatever wine might've done to his stomach Mm -hmm. the night before. But I like that idea that he would have taken care of people. Does that, I always think, like, does that remind you? Do you know people who are just good at bringing people together? Does yes. anybody come to your mind? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have people in my life who want to make it a, make it an event. It, it's one thing to hang out with people. It's another to make it a scene and to make people have a memory from it. So. Yeah. I, as an introvert, appreciate those people so much because mm-hmm. I feel like that sometimes that's the only way I really get to know other people is that they help me. You know, right. like that they, my friends, Jason and Jenny are like that, like they're just good at throwing a party and other people want to come and other people become friends because they're at that same party. Uh, I also have some friends, uh, Ethan and Betsy, who they've said for a long, I don't know if they would still say it. They used to say this when they were in their twenties and thirties. I don't know if they would still say it, but they used to say that if they felt like being at a party, they would throw one. Oh, that's such a cool attribute. <laughs> yeah. So whereas a lot of us, I think, spend our time just like sitting around like oh, wishing. I yeah. wish somebody would invite me to something. Mm-hmm. Their inclination for a lot of their life has been, let's just invite people to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I appreciate that. I think if there's anything I wish I had a little more of, it would be that. Uh, and that has me in my mind. I have been watching a lot of uh, Anthony Bourdain's show. Have you ever seen it? No, I've heard, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Outside of podcast land. <laughs> he is probably the, like when I think of pictures of Jesus, he's maybe the weirdest 
picture of Jesus to me. Mm, Jesus is Anthony Bourdain. But I feel like his shows, because, and again, he's doing it. He's gathering people together to film a show. Mm -hmm. So there is, it's got a slight, you know, taint to it. It's not quite as pure as Levi just being like, I've met this man who's shown me who I really am. And you should meet him too. It's not quite as pure as Levi throwing a party. But I do think Anthony Bourdain on his show, a lot of times you get this visual of him like hanging out with the cooks after their shift or like being on the beach with the fishermen. Like very often he's in cultures that would have been like this culture. So he goes out on the boat with the fishermen and they come back and they grill their fish or they, you know, he gathers families together. And so for me, his show has been a helpful visual of what a, what a Jesus party would look like. Um, or what this night with Levi might've looked like where you had the fishermen and the tax collectors are suddenly at the same shindig. Um, and it's all because Jesus himself is, is so compelling, right? So whatever is being served there for appetizers or for drinks, there's something holding them at the center of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to see that a lot, uh, in the gospels. Um, but I think there's a lot of it. I see a lot of invitation for me in this. It's just like figuring out what, what does compel me and what am I inviting other people to more often? Mm -hmm. Whether it's television or <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah. Whether it's, and I am very much a, an evangelist for the Anthony Bourdain's mm -hmm. uh, programming. But I think also what you said about him being somebody who brought the party with him too. Mm -hmm. um, like being the person who texts everybody. I'm at the coffee shop. What can I bring you? Um, I wish more Christians, like we just served the world that way. I think it'd be kind of a beautiful thing. And I think as we fast forward in the story, right, we know that's how the kingdom of God gets from one place to another. And so it makes sense to me that uh, Jesus would include at least one good party thrower in the mix. And that maybe they all learned from him. So, that's that's our breakfast translation. Uh, next up, we'll be looking at Luke 7, and we'll see people who are not at a party, uh, but who are in severe distress. So we'll have a tone shift next time around. But for this time, uh, just, just stay at the party for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation. Mm -hmm.